Hi there, Dickens Olewe here. Thanks for checking in. This interview is part of a 10-part special series about how the media in Africa covers politics, governance, and elections. With my guest, we'll explore the challenges and ideas of how journalism can support, not undermine democracy. So look out for the other interviews on your podcast feed. Let me know what you think about this series. Okay, here's the pod. Enjoy. Africans want is accountable governance. In what ways can the media report on accountable governance in ways that is consistent with what people look for or hope for? And so, what role does the, the legislature play in holding the executive accountable and how can we report on that? And this, of course, lots of our respondents support that, that the media should constantly play their watchdog role, investigate governments and report on corrupt practices and other malpractices. My name is Joseph Asonka. I am the Chief Executive Officer of the Afrobarometer. I started this role in April of this year. So I'm nearly six months into this role and it has been an exciting journey for me. Joe, first of all, congratulations uh, on the new role. So a recent survey by Afrobarometer concluded that while majorities of Africans support democracy and democratic norms, far fewer are satisfied with the realities. Could you unpick that for me? As you rightly pointed out, support for democracy on the continent has been very high and consistently high over time. Ever since we started asking people about their support for democracy, we have had no less than 70% of Africans expressing strong support for democracy. But this support for democracy is just not the support alone, but we also ask people how they experience or would like or not like other forms of government. And what we have found is that there's a solid preference for democracy and widespread rejection of other non-democratic forms. And we believe that this rejection of non-democratic forms of rule, especially one-party rule or one-man rule or military rule, all resoundingly rejected by Africans in the last decade in particular, where we record more than 70% saying they reject these autocratic forms of Um, Just this year, we've had at least, what, uh, two coups uh, in Mali and recently in Guinea. And we've seen people going to the streets and celebrating the army. How should people interpret that? When people hit the streets and start celebrating a military coup, we should be cautious about the fact that overall, there's a general rejection of military rule. But then Africans are also generally more supportive and demanding of accountable governance. And there is a huge support for presidential term limits as well. I'm stating these facts just to underscore the fact that the celebrations on the streets is not necessarily an endorsement of military rule. What it signals to us is that Africans are not supportive of any form of government that undermines the constitution. In other way, whether it's using the bullet or using the pen to try to usurp the people's rights, is something they would resist. And so for the recent coups that we have recorded at some a few of the countries that you have just mentioned, our survey has shown that people had to resoundingly stated that they support presidential term limits, that the president must be bound by the constitution to serve only two terms. 
And so when presidents come out and try to change the constitution to suit their own purposes, that is when citizens feel like there's a need for some kind of intervention. And when you see the military intervening, that is why you see people going on the streets and celebrating because they believe that the change in the constitution is just another coup on the part of one man and they don't like one man rule. They don't want people to overstay their term. But I, I should state here that if military regimes are to stay in power for much longer than they expect to be, for example, if a military regime stays in power for more than one year, then you would see that people begin to start revolting again because even though they support an intervention, they still need democracy and accountable governance. They don't want the military to stay in power. Interesting. And when we talk about democracy, I have learned just from your uh, Afrobarometers uh, surveys that in Africa, it, it's, it is really complicated, isn't it? It is certainly complicated because um, it is not just people wanting democracy for democracy's sake. Um because people increasingly now believe in accountable governance, as I mentioned earlier on. And accountability is something that is now the, the top priority of majority of the people who have spoken to. And I say this because even though we say support for democracy is high and rejection of non-democratic types of regime is also very high, what we have realized is that over time, people have increasingly said they want accountability in governments. And this accountability demand has actually grown over time, where we sometimes, when we even put an effective government that is not accountable versus an accountable government that is not very effective, most Africans go for an accountable government, even if it is not that very effective, as opposed to one that is effective and not accountable. And so, Yes, it is true. It is complicated in the sense that people are increasingly becoming more and more sophisticated in their demands for uh, democratic governance and especially accountable governance. And if there's any one element uh, in in a democracy that citizens uh, across the continent are very passionate about uh, is, is elections. So um, I think my question to you is essentially how can this be guaranteed, uh, uh, you know, the, the transitions? I mean, what are Africans saying in terms of, uh, of elections? What kind of model uh, are, are Africans saying that they want? Right. So we haven't asked Africans in terms of the type of model that they want, but generally there's a, a big, large support for multi-party competitive elections. And over time, when we ask Africans, how do you want your leaders choosing? They want them choosing through regular, open and honest elections. And they want those elections to be based on multi-party competition. And I think this, this, is the key, this is a key fact. And this is a model that the majority of our respondents have said they, they, they want to see. When it comes to the type of elections, whether it is um, based on, as you said, you know, whether it is some kind of leader selecting somebody on behalf of them or other forms of um, elections that bring people into power. I think the, the key observation for us is that 
multi-party competitive elections that are open, honest, and done regularly is what Africans are looking for. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the other thing, just from your service as well, that, that I picked up uh, is that uh, even though there is strong support for uh, democracy, uh, people are not satisfied because the dividends uh, of democracy uh, are, not, are not forthcoming. So could you just talk a little bit about what are these things that Africans want that democracy is not delivering? Right. And so I started alluding to some of those earlier on. First of all, you know, accountability on the part of governments and institutions. And when people report to us that they are not satisfied with the way democracy works, this is reflected in some of the experiences that they share with us. And so consistent with this demand for accountable governance, we see that there's a large majority, as I mentioned, that support presidential term limits. And when presidents begin to undermine term limits, then it reduces people's satisfaction with democracy. In some cases, you know, accountable governance goes beyond just term limits because most Africans would want their legislatures to hold the executive accountable. And when this is not forthcoming as it happens in most African countries where the legislature and the executive seem to just be one and the same thing, then it creates a sense that democracy is not working the way they expected it to work. And so the oversight responsibility of parliament is undermined in several countries, which reduces people's satisfaction with democracy. For most of our respondents, they do want the president to be subjected to the rule of law, that the president should respect the laws of the country and that they should respect the court's decisions. And when in some cases you see presidents coming out against what the courts have decided, for example, I mean, just recently in Zimbabwe, Manangagwa came out with this now the age of the chief justice and saying that you know, the constitu- even though there's a constitutional limit, the person can continue to stay in office. And so when those things happen where it doesn't seem like the president is subjecting themselves to rule of law, then it also sends a signal that they, this democracy is not working the way they expect. And these are the kinds of things that citizens expect from their governments. The accountability component seem to be missing. And my guess is that this is what is driving people's dissatisfaction with democracy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, uh, one of the uh, other reports that, that you did, which I found uh, fascinating, was um, uh, foc- focused on migration. And what surprised, I think, many people was that the top destination when it comes to uh, Africans migrating is not Europe, um, as many people will think, but to other uh, African countries, especially so you'll find the people, uh, you know, from the southern region want to migrate to countries uh, just, to, uh, you know, closer to their borders. And I just wondered whether in, in, the, in that survey, you know, there was an indication that uh, despite them being driven by economic uh, uh, interests, but also just how these countries uh, are run, their destination countries are run, uh, also was a factor. Right, that's a pull factor because people realize that economic opportunities in their neighboring countries seem to be much better than they are, or at least they have the feeling that economic opportunities there are much better than in their own countries. And so 
that's that's a big pull factor and i think that's a surprising finding that people want to do internal african within african migration as opposed to going outside of europe of course we can speculate as to what is driving that for example it might just be the risks they see in going overseas where it feels like one of course it becomes much more challenging to survive in a context where you absolutely have no idea how to navigate the system. If you were to migrate to your neighboring country and then anything happens, it is probably much easier for you to get back to your, your, your home country. And so I do think the pool factor is the economic opportunity. They view that there's the grass is greener on the other side, on the, across the border from, from us. And people get that sense and would want to move to other destinations. But I see this also as a positive sign in the sense that with the increasingly opening up of African borders and under the Africa free trade area, it does seem like that would provide opportunity for within continent migration where either people cross borders to do to trade with each other or they cross borders to take advantage of economic opportunities. And there is value in that and that you know, the talent within the continent will stay within the continent and contribute to its growth and development. Um, let's talk about media. The survey finds that uh, just as democracy appears to be gaining ground across many parts of Africa, uh, citizen support of the media is declining sharply. I mean, what do you attribute that to? So when it comes to the media, I mean, there are positives and then there are a bit, some bits of concern about the media among our respondents. So for one, let me start with just what they were the positive news likes. Across the 34 countries we surveyed recently, for example, we have over 60% say they support media freedom. And this is actually a big increase from the last round of the survey where only about 50% supported media freedom. And of course, there are speculations as to why this big bump in the support for media freedom. One theory is that with the COVID lockdowns and everything else that happened during this time, lots of our, a majority of our respondents were fearful that governments would use the pandemic as an excuse to restrict freedoms, including media freedom. And so there's a reawakening and an awareness that if we don't resist, governments might use the COVID as an opportunity to restrict freedoms further. So I'm not surprised that there's a big bump in support for media freedom. So that's some good news coming out of that. And of course, there is it's the strong support for you know, access to the internet and social media and that governments should not be overly regulating those spaces. And that, of course, the only time we see a minority support for uh, support for government restrictions on information and media is when the information is either um, false information or it is hate speech. In those cases, we find majority of citizens saying government should be able to restrict those. But I think the one thing I would also mention one other positive before I, I, I come to the negative side. The, the other piece is the watchdog role of the media, you know, the oversight role where most Africans say that the media should always report government's misconduct and corrupt practices. And this is constant. Mm -hmm. So this has been a significant high point, I mean, high support rate 
among our responders. But then I think over time, there is this sense of the media, especially related to elections that we just spoke about, that the media doesn't seem to provide fair coverage for all parties and all candidates in during an election. And this sort of raises a sense of different alignments of media to either candidates or political parties in ways that skew their reporting in different ways. And so it doesn't, it doesn't allow citizens to get a balanced reporting, especially if you are listening to one specific source of media that is somewhat aligned with a political party or a particular candidate. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. The other concern about the media is generally about the supply of information sometimes where it is inaccurate information. So the proliferation of falsehoods or claims that cannot be substantiated in any way. And of course, the advent of fake news has just made this suspicion much more prominent because people feel that the media does contribute to the proliferation of uh, fake news or the sharing of fake news in different platforms, whether it is print or electronic. And that creates a sense of, of course, anxiety because people consume this and may trust the information and act based on that or to realize that it is falsehood or it is fake news. And so that has also contributed to some kind of um, a decline in people's views and views about the media in general. What role do you think social media has played in all this? Right. So I think social media is the big culprit when it comes to fake news and you know the sharing of false information. When we ask our respondents to tell us who do they think you know is the biggest culprit in sharing of um, or in the spread of fake news or false information, actually the social media users came on top. They tied with politicians and political parties that these are the key folks that are spreading false news. But then these vehicles then are amplified, especially politicians and political parties. Falsehood from them sometimes is amplified by the media because then the mainstream media pick up some of that information and blow it up to the general public. And I think that is where the, the concern is, even though overall the media is ranked as number three culprit in terms of proliferating image, uh, sharing false information and fake news. It does seem like they also contribute to blowing up some of the falsehood that comes from other sources like social media or from political parties. So the media has a lot of work to do to, to regain that trust. I, I would think so. And I think from me, I mean, reading from all of these results, what I take from it is, what Africans want is accountable governance. In what ways can the media report on accountable governance in ways that is consistent with what people look for or hope for? And so what role does the, the legislature play in holding the executive accountable and how can we report on that? And this, of course, lots of our respondents support that, that the media should constantly play their watchdog role investigate governments and report on corrupt practices and other malpractices. And so to what extent does the legislature hold the executive accountable? I think media reporting on those key things that people care about. Accountable governance, um, the president's respecting term limits, 
And we have, you know, the president subjecting himself or herself to rule of law and respecting the courts. And the other key democratic norms that is what citizens are calling for, clean elections, you know, transparent and open elections, regular elections held and multi-party competition. These are key things that when the media focus their attention on, it can help to fill some of the information gaps, especially for citizens, because you may not know the extent to which the legislature is actually playing its watchdog role if the media doesn't highlight it well for citizens. And so I think exposing citizens to some of these things that touch on accountable governance would be a good way for the media to salvage its image of you know, falsehood and false information. Fantastic. My last question was actually about uh, how can the media and journalists remain relevant to the democratic aspirations of Africans, but you've preempted me and answered it. Great. Thank you for this. And I I do think for us at Afrobarometer, the entire premise of our work is that we want to bring people's voices into policy making and policy spaces. And of course, we want to be able to bring people's voices into the media space as well. And the media does play a role in shaping people's views. And so the extent to which the media can help to contribute in educating the general public about, or at least providing information on the progress of government accountability to its citizens, I think would be a useful way. And the extent to which the institutions of government or the institutions of democracy actually function and are responsive to ordinary people would be a great role to play. This interview is part of a 10-part special series about how the media in Africa covers politics, governance, elections, and the impact this has on democracy on the continent. If you want to subscribe to my podcast, just search for the Dickens Olewe podcast on any of the main podcast apps. Let me know what you think about the series. Reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Dickens Olewe. Until next time, bye-bye.